Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. We are in Luke chapter 24. If you guys want to join us today, Luke chapter 24. And uh, I, I called today's text, God's Light Dawns Slowly. Because there's some things, I know that you guys have all had that experience where it took you forever to finally get. Maybe it's something in the scriptures. Maybe it's a spiritual truth. Something in your spiritual life where everyone else is going, oh yeah, when I got saved, bing, it was like angels singing and goosebumps. And and you're just kind of going, you're waiting for the goosebumps. You know, sometimes, and you'll see it in the disciples today. Sometimes things come slowly and sometimes it takes us a while for things to sink in. Like, have you ever really been looking forward to something? You're hoping, you've looked forward to it for years, maybe something like retirement, and then retirement comes and you go, I can't believe it's really here. Or maybe a vacation. You ever had one of those vacations? You're waiting. Linda and I have had lots of those words, like we're looking forward to a cruise. And then, you know, we finally get on the boat. We're really doing this. It's sinking in, you know. Uh, we all have a vest. Like, sometimes it, maybe it's a, a legal matter or a lawsuit or divorce, or all those dramas that go on in your life, and it's finally over, and it takes a while to sink in. Why am I telling you all this? Because I think that's what we're going to see today as we look at the disciples um, in a very real way. That's what happened to them after the resurrection. They didn't get it right away. They weren't excited right away. It took a while for it to sink in. As a matter of fact, a, a verse that we're not going to look at today, but next week, is Luke 24, 40 and 41, where Jesus actually appears to them. It says, he spoke and he showed them his hands and his feet, and I'm reading it for the New Living. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Like, is this really happening? Have you ever had something like that? Maybe you've got all got stories, you know. But uh, to, in today's text, we're going to be encouraged to see that we're not alone in this. We're each going to be encouraged to see the disciples, the apostles, I'm talking about the apostles, not the apostles, the apostles experience the same kind of things that you and I, where they're slow, and, and, and we'll see their humanness, and it should encourage you a bit. And you'll be able to relate to them, but we'll also be able to rejoice with them as we see when they finally get it, how it changed their lives. Father, that's what we pray for ourselves, that as slow as we move sometimes, that we will finally get what you've been trying to tell us. Lord, I know each one of us, there are things you're trying to do in our lives. There's things you're trying to help us get through. We're stuck. We're kind of stumped. Some of us are spiritually in in a holding pattern. Lord, I pray that you'd hear our cry and help us to get through the tough spots and let reality sink in, that we'll experience the full joy of the Lord, walk in your truth, 
and, and live as we are meant to live. Hear our cry, Lord. Use your word today to bring us to life and to teach us what you want us to learn. We're listening, Lord. Speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a little review. Last week's lesson was uh, the importance of the resurrection, because uh, we, we just read the first eight verses, and then I taught mostly about the importance of the resurrection, and, and it's actually the completion of your salvation. You know, the payment was made uh, at the cross. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, have everlasting life. That's the, he gave his son, he died, but there's more to the story. You know, they're, they're Jesus, the Lamb of God, at Passover. He, he died to take away our sins, and he purchased us with his blood, and, and he redeemed us from our sins. I'm grateful for that, but I'm glad that's not the end of the story. Because here's your first fill-in. Those of you who are using the fill-ins, the growth groups are all using them. The payment for your soul was made at the cross, but the resurrection was your receipt and proof of purchase. I like that. The, the resurrection was your receipt and proof of purchase. How do you know? It took, how do you know God accepted the, the payment? Well, the proof of purchase is the resurrection. And now this is a part of every Christian's statement of faith. This is our, uh, one of the foundations for our statement of faith before him. We talked about this last week in Romans 10, 9. Well, Paul says, how do you know if you're saved? Where, where, where's the crossing? Where's the, the line that you cross? He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, it's not enough just to believe Jesus died. We talked about this. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we talked about all last Sunday was about this. Not enough just to believe he died for you. You've, our confession of faith that is that he died, he was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. Conquering death, the payment for our sin was, was accepted. So now, we read quickly the first eight verses, but I'm going to slow down and look at some of the story here. You're in Luke chapter 24. I don't know if I told you that already. Hopefully turn to it and look at verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Remember, they had a hastily buried Jesus because it was uh, the eve of the Passover, and they had to wait till Passover was over because and, and, you're not supposed to work uh, or do any labor. There's several important restrictions for, during Passover or any Sabbath. And so these women, early Sunday morning, they're approaching the tomb, and they, they've got a lot of things they're concerned about. Uh, uh, they wanted, uh, how they gonna, who's going to move the stone? We'll look at that in a moment. But remember, remember we talked about this a couple of weeks back, is that Jesus was crucified. We, we, like to, um, we like to celebrate Good Friday, but it's very possible, if you do the math, that he was actually crucified on a Thursday. We will still have a Good Friday service if, if we can, okay? Uh, but after his entombment, the tomb was sealed, and then guarded by Roman soldiers. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 27. You know, one gospel doesn't cover all the details, so that's why I've been using the merged gospels and even alluding to some of the other events in the other gospels. So the tomb stayed sealed, and it was guarded until it was discovered by these women the first day of the week, early in the morning, the stone rolled away, no guards. Now, John 19, if you're taking notes, in John 19, 38 through 42, it specifically tells us that Jesus was laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and, uh, right, and it was also, it says it was close to the place of crucifixion. So that's why I really believe, you know, I've been to Jerusalem a couple times, been to Israel, and you could see from the garden tomb, what's called Gordon's tomb, in the garden tomb, from there you could actually see Golgotha, you could see the skull in the side of the hill. So I really believe that was the authentic place, and someday when all the madness dies down in this world, maybe we'll make another trip, and, and we'll, go, we'll do a, 
a church Israel trip. I look forward to that. That's always a life changer. So these women come to the tomb hoping to properly finish the burial process and, and apply the spices and everything that, according to Jewish tradition, what was needed. But it, it says in verse 2, uh, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Well, that was actually a surprise. They were actually wondering what they were going to do about the stone. And by the way, I want to let you know something that many people don't think about. The stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out. You know, there wasn't somebody in there going, they didn't need to let Jesus out uh, because we, we learn in John's gospel, John 20, 19, that in his resurrected body, Jesus could go, he would appear and disappear. He would appear in, locked, in rooms with locked doors. And, and we'll see that, uh, boy, I'm looking forward to the resurrected body. How you can't keep me out of here. I'm going to visit you and you can't stop me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to haunt you. Don't worry. But, but the resurrected body is going to be a lot different than what we're in. A lot less limitations. The stone was rolled away so that his followers could look in and see that it was empty and that he had indeed risen. And so know that. So verse 3, we'll continue our story a little quicker here. Then they went and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They saw it open. They went in. No Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in, the, in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. No kidding. You go into a tomb, and the body isn't there, but there's these glowing, <laughs> these people glowing. And they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you uh, when he was still in Galilee? And uh, so we'll talk about this for a minute because I, I went quickly through this last week. But uh, another thing to coordinate, by the way, in your bulletin, I gave just a section of the text recovering because there's too much to fit in your shepherd or sheep of, of the merged gospels blending the stories together. Uh, but we're also told in, that in Matthew chapter 27 and 28 that there was an earthquake and an angel rolled away the stone. Even something as fantastic as it was such a monumentous event that there were saints that raised from the dead and went into the city to testify. And pretty amazing things. You could read about that in Matthew 27 and 28. Uh, and also, I want you to keep in mind that there were several different groups of women who came to the tomb that morning that can confuse you. If you compare the gospel accounts, it looks like it looks like there's contradictions. And the skeptics love to try to point out, well, there's, there's contradictions in the resurrection story. No, you know what? If you interview four people who all witnessed a sim the same event from four different angles, some are going to leave out things, and some saw things that the others didn't see. Some will tell you something that nobody else saw. I mean, that's what you would expect when you interview four different people about an event. If it was all exactly the same, you'd think... There is coercion here. They're copying each other. So it really is a sign of authenticity. And so uh, that's why I use the Merge Gospels. So that, as a matter of fact, in your growth groups, I'm sending the growth group leaders the entire section that we're covering today so that you can see Mary Magdalene went with the women. The women went in, but when Mary saw the tomb was open, uh, she didn't even go in. She ran and told Peter and all the different, how it works, how it fits in. I love what Gary Crossland did with the Merged Gospels. So uh, study it, and if you, if you don't have a copy of that, you need to join a growth group. Yeah, yeah, okay? You didn't, uh, so, uh, now it's interesting, though, that uh, there, not only there's several groups of women, but these women became the very first evangelists of the resurrection. The first people to proclaim the resurrection were the women, of course, after the angels told them. And, and you could look at the merged gospels and see all that. Um, and these angels actually had to remind these women of Jesus' words. And look at verse 6. It says, he's not here, but he's risen. Remember? 
Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? You know what I think our biggest problem as Christians? We forget. You know, I'm a Christian, and I don't know how many times over the years I had to keep learning the same lesson over and over and over again. I don't know how many times I had to be reminded of the same things over and over and over again. That's why we read our Bible all our life. That's why you don't just read it once. Yeah, it was a good book. I read it once. We need to be reminded over and over again. And the angel says, don't you remember? He told you that. Lord, help me to stay fluent in the word and reading and studying. And I also like what, uh, what they said is, um, he's not here, he's risen. You know, I think these are the, some of the most beautiful and most important words ever spoken to man by an angel. He's not here, he's risen. I also like that saying back in verse 5 where in the second half of it says, why do you seek the living among the dead? You know, that's a, that's a picture of a lot of dead religions, by the way. Uh, I think this is what separates Christianity from all other world religions. All the other world religions are following a dead man. Christianity is, is following a living, risen Savior. So on with our story, because uh, I'm glad you, you don't want to stop in, verse tw- in chapter 23 when you're studying uh, uh, Luke. Okay, verse 9. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. There were a lot of Marys back then, by the way, and that make, that's another thing that makes it confusing. Uh, and, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. They did not believe them. What? Talk about remember. Jesus told the apostles, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise. They're going to crucify me, I'm going to come back. I go away, but I return. And, and they hear the story, and boy, they are slow to believe. Have you ever been told something, and then you forget, and somebody has to say, remember I took the husbands? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I told you. Yeah, well, I wasn't listening. That's it. Sometimes, sometimes I tease my wife. She goes, well, I told you that. And I have to say, you have to tell me things when I'm listening. So re- that's a good line for you, okay? Um, so, but, but not only are they slow to believe because they don't remember, but this is illogical. Everything about this story is illogical, and, and there's reason to be skeptical. If somebody came to you and says, remember so-and-so who died? Oh, they're back. That doesn't happen, right? So it's understandable why this would be hard to believe. The light often dawns slowly. Here's your next fill-in. Sometimes truth hits us like a light bulb going on. Other times, reality sinks in slowly like the rising sun. It begins to dawn on you. You know what I'm talking about? There's times, there's certain truths, even in my life and studying the Bible, there's certain truths that took me years Especially by background, uh, I came from a more very legalistic background, and it took me years to get the doctrine of justification by faith and, and by grace, and that it's not my works, I don't earn it, that I'm, Jesus paid my way and I don't have to earn my way because of our background. And our, sometimes it's your science background, sometimes it's your religious background. That slows you down from really it all sinking in. Verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. You know, I would do that too. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. I think Peter's still scratching his head here. You know, I, I think he's still wondering what's really going on. He, he didn't run back and go, he's risen. He, he still hasn't met the risen Savior, but something's going on. The resurrection still wasn't totally perceived or believed in. 
And even later, like I said in verse 41 of the same chapter, even when they see Jesus, it's like, matter of fact, I like the way the, the new King James puts it. They did not believe for joy. You know, sometimes I believe something, but I don't believe it for joy. Meaning, I, I believe it, but I ha it hasn't totally sunk in yet. You know what I mean? So the apostles were there. That's where they're at. And often it takes a lot of time and drilling into your head uh, to really for it to sink in of what God's trying to show you. Now, John's account reveals that Mary Magdalene didn't go in the tomb with the rest of the women. Now, I'm going to read that to you so you could kind of see the blend here. In John chapter 20, verse 1 through 10, and for the story feel of it, I'm going to read it from the New Living. Uh, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, that's when she came with the women. But then it says in verse 2, she ran, found Simon Peter and the other disciples, and the one who, the one who Jesus loved. That's how John always talked about himself. You know those, those other guys? Then there was the one Jesus loved. That's how he talks about himself. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. That was her conclusion, because she saw, oh no, grave robbers, right? Now later, and we won't get to it today, Mary Magdalene has a personal encounter with Jesus after the men, Peter looks in and runs home, and the other women are gone. She goes and runs into what she thinks is the gardener, and Jesus appears to her. That's the story where you, you hear her saying, you know, where have you put him? Tell me where the body is, and I'll, I'll go get it, like she would be able to carry it. And, and Jesus says, Mary. And she goes, Rabbi! So there's so much to blend into the story. I don't think I finished reading this here. Let's see. Uh, verse 3, Peter says, And Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb, and they were both running. Now this is John writing. And the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John wants you to know I'm younger, stronger, faster. I could stop a bullet. You know, I could, I'm faster than a speeding bullet. Okay. Uh, he stooped and looked in. And saw the linen wrappings lying there, but didn't go in. So John gets there and goes, oh my goodness. No body, but there's the wrappings. He's like cautious, reverend, sacred. And here comes Peter, bull in a china closet. It says, then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. <laughs> he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. Oh yeah. <laughs> and while the cloth had, that, that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings... Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, John, went in, and he saw and believed. So John's testimony is, that's when I knew. That's when I believed. That's when I remembered. I knew. This is not a missing body because the wrappings are there. This is somebody who took his wrappings off and left on his own. He, it goes on in verse 9. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. This last line. Then they went home. You know, there's times there's nothing else you can do. I mean, you, you, you think now it's time to do something. I don't know, there's so many, time, so many times in my life where I feel like there's so much happening in the world, so much happening in the church, but I got to wait for instructions. I got to hear from the Lord. There's times you just go home. Okay, so that's a whole other story. So now we move to another story that's important that you may have heard before. It's often just called the road to Emmaus, and it starts in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. There's an interesting thing happening here. This is two less known disciples. We're not told, we're told the name of one of them, but they're nobody famous that we, we should recognize right away. Possibly heading home to Emmaus. Maybe they lived in Emmaus, which was like seven miles outside of Jerusalem, and yet they were followers of Jesus. And maybe they came into Jerusalem for the Passover. After Passover, they're going home and just amazed at what had happened during that time because you can't travel during the Passover. Remember, you're not supposed to travel on the Sabbath. So Sabbath is over. Passover is behind them. These disciples are in wonderment going, what is going on? They, got, they probably even, they even heard the news from Peter. But as they spoke of Jesus, Jesus joins them. And I like what Spurgeon says about this. This is your next fill-in. Spurgeon says, when two saints are talking together, Jesus is very likely to come and make the third one in company. Talk of him, and you will soon talk with him. Isn't that good? Talk of him, and you will soon talk with him. I think that the more people, Christians gather, and they talk about Jesus, and they focus on the Lord, before you know it, he, gather, he comes alongside, he becomes another party in your midst, and you better turn that talk to a prayer meeting because Jesus is there. I like that. And Lord, help us to recognize when you're with us. Here's... Followers of Jesus, clueless that Jesus is walking with them, even talking to Jesus, and they don't get it. Matter of fact, pretty soon you'll see they're going to start witnessing to Jesus, telling Jesus about Jesus, okay? God, help us to recognize when you're in our midst, and quite often, I believe some of the greatest times God has ever spoken to me, some of the greatest times I've ever experienced the presence of the Lord, is when I'm hanging with the Lord's people, and one of the saints, one of the Christian believers says something, and I go, that's the Lord speaking. Have you ever had that happen? Where the Lord speaks through another brother or sister, and you just go, thank you, Jesus. I've been praying about that. That's what I've been waiting to hear. And so this is, there's some magic happening. I shouldn't use that word magic, but there's something very exciting happening here. And understand, there are also times when you don't see so clearly, you don't recognize Jesus, you don't know what's going on, but he's still working. He, it's still his doing. As a matter of fact, look at uh, verse 16 in the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says, but God kept them from recognizing him. Okay, so it, it wasn't just that they were dense, okay? It wasn't just that they didn't get it. Because there's all kinds of weird explanations. People say, well, because he was so scarred up from the crucifixion. Or, or they were walking into this. I've heard all these weird things from preachers. They were walking into the sun, and the sun was kind of blinding them, and they didn't recognize. It's like, I like the New Living, clears it all up, Okay. God kept them from recognizing him. But why would, why would God do that? Why would God stop you from recognizing Jesus? I'll tell you something. There's times when I really believe there's times God puts a cover over your eyes temporarily. It's temporary blinding for a purpose. I like to call it from blinding to blessings. There's times God wants to keep you in suspense because he's got, he's got a real surprise for you. You ever, that reminds me, I was just thinking, you ever do something, you have a surprise for somebody? Close your eyes. Okay, follow me. Okay, open them. I kind of think that's what God's doing here with these folks. It's all about God's timing. It kind of reminded me of the promise in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul writes this. He says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything perfectly with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. I tell you, there's a lot of things, folks, you'll never totally get this side of heaven. Oh, we, we like to talk theology. We like to hammer out scripture and, and the, the 
the contrast and theology. We'd like to hammer it all out. But I, I just want to tell you something. Let's save you the trouble. Have fun with it. Enjoy your studies with intellectual stimulation. But there's a lot of things, where, even though you think you know, when you get to heaven, you go, oh, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> uh, we're always learning. Okay, so I like that 1 Corinthians 13 passage. So on with our story. Verse 17 then says, and Jesus said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And the one whose name was Cleopas answered uh, and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem you, and you've not known the things which happened there uh, these days? And he said to them, Jesus says, what things? Wait a minute. I'm not trying to be irreverent, but is this Jesus playing dumb? I mean, he says, what things? Like, like he did, you know he knew, right? And I think sometimes God brings up a question, a puzzle, a problem, and, and even asks questions and, not, and doesn't give answers because he doesn't want to give us the answer because he's helping us work through something, something important, and he wants us to come to the correct and proper conclusion, and I think the journey is an important journey for us to take. It kind of reminds me of the story in the Garden of Eden. That's the first time I can think of God asking a question. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. They disobeyed God. They're in sin. They would realize they're naked. They're hiding. And God says, Adam, where are you? God doesn't know. He's not playing dumb either. You know what he's doing? He's helping Adam realize where he is. Adam, where are you? He's helping Adam realize, I'm hiding from God. Do you see what my sin has done to me? I'm naked and ashamed, and, and I'm hiding from God. And, and so sometimes God will do that. He'll get you to think through things so that you really feel it and take the proper journey to come to the right conclusions. It's funny, back when I was, uh, I read a book years ago when I was a Christ, became a Christian counselor called Competent to Counsel by Jay Adams. If you're ever looking for a book on counseling, Competent to Counsel, it's really good. But he would explain the flaws of many of the earthly um, counseling, the Freudian counseling and Rogerian counseling. I remember what I learned about the Rogerian counseling was you never give answers. You just repeat back to them what you heard them say, and then you ask questions. You never give answers. Well, biblical counseling, you give answers, okay? But it, the purpose of that was it, actually God sometimes does that. He's not giving answers, asking questions. hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.